morning, and it is a blessing to be here. Hold on, let me just set this. And as Pastor Peter said, I had another message, but you have to be obedient to the Lord, amen, and ask that I change it. The message I will be preaching on today is how to soar in the midst of your challenges. How to soar in the midst of your challenges. All of us face challenges. And I think sometimes as adults, we don't realize that our youths face challenges as well. I want to tell you a story that has a sad ending, but I hope it will help us to understand that when our young people complain, to know that just as we have challenges on the job, we have challenges in life, we have challenges at home, sometimes we think, oh, uh, youth, they're too young to have any stress. But if you have been reading, um, the, have been listening on the news and have been reading well, you would understand that our young people are now being diagnosed in teenage years with high blood pressure. And people would say, what they got to worry about? But there was a seven-year-old right in Brooklyn, and this young boy, unbeknownst to his mother, every time he went to school, he was facing challenges from his teacher. And this was something that ha actually happened. It was on the news maybe about five to six years ago. At one particular morning, he did not get, he, what, he did not finish his, his um, schoolwork. And he told his mom he did not want to go to school. He did not want to go to school because he knew how the teacher would pick on him. You know, teachers have a way that they would pick on certain students. And somehow this teacher did not like this student. And so she picked on him every time. He went to school and he had a rough time. He came home to his mom that evening and said, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. And parents, what do we say? Oh, suck it up. Get dressed. You're going to school tomorrow. Thinking that he's just trying to goof off. Well, when she went into the bedroom, that young man, seven years old, hung himself. Challenges. Seven years old. What does a seven-year-old have challenges about? There were two people I counseled, a man and a woman. Both of them came to me. They're going through so much problems. Every time they turn around, it seems like problem, 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 here, there, and everywhere. Does God care? Does God understand what I'm going through? I don't think that God even cares about me because why am I going through this all the time? Well, that's what I'm here about this morning. Because I, there may be, this message may not be for everybody. But if it's for you, this message is meant to encourage you in the midst of your challenges. We all have them. But I want you to understand how you learn to deal with your challenges and to deal with it knowing that God does care. We just read Isaiah chapter 40 verses 27 to 31. And it was at a time when Isaiah was prophesying to the people of Israel that you're going to go into exile. This passage of scripture here in Isaiah 
was actually predicting that there will, be, there will come a time of restoration when God would restore them out of exile, but before that, in the midst of their problems, they would be complaining, does God care? So, today, we are talking about eagles and how to soar in the midst of your challenges. I think this verse in Isaiah 40, 27 to 31 speaks powerfully to that. The text, as I said, come at a point in the book where Isaiah predicts that God would one day deliver and restore Israel. One thing you need to know about eagles is that they do not remain on the ground. They always nest in high cliffs and trees so that they can have a panoramic view of their surroundings. If they nest closer to the ground, it would be in man-made structures like windmills or um, observation towers or decks, platforms, and ele electrical trans transmission towers. But when they leave their nesting spots, eagles are always in flight. Even when they're hunting on the ground, you would see them flapping, flapping, flapping their wings. What is it, the imagery I'm trying to give you here? The imagery I'm trying to give you is that even when you're going through your troubles, you learn to have the courage like an eagle. Don't give up. Sometimes you're so ready to give up. Sometimes you're ready to throw in the towel. Sometimes you're ready to run back to old way of coping. Sometimes I'm tired of counseling Christians. When a little trouble comes, they go back into pornography. They go back into drinking. They go back into drugs. They go back into all sorts of nonsense. But I'm here this morning to teach you how when you go through your challenge, you could keep on flapping and soaring like an eagle to know that you, are, you can trust in God. Today, I would like to say, if we trust in God, we can be like eagles. What does Isaiah 40, 27, 31 tells us about soaring like an eagle? To soar, you have to know that God has heard your complaint. To soar in your time of trouble, in the midst of your challenges, you have to know that he is God. To soar, how do you soar in the midst of your challenge? You have to understand that God is the one who will enable you. So our first point, God hears our complaint. Verse 27, the people, God said, the, the prophet said that the people would say, why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. God is speaking through the prophet and rebuking the people of Israel. He reprimanded them on two points. First point is that they were complaining that God does not know about their trouble, that God did not know what they were going, going through, that it was hidden from him. How, but how can that be so? When God says he knows it all from the beginning to the end. Remember in Psalm 139, verses 2 to 6, it says, Lord, you have examined me and know all about me. 
people, you can never say that God does not know what you're going through. It goes on to say, you know my thoughts before I think them. You know where I go and where I lie down. You know everything I do, Lord. Even before I say a word, you already know it. You're all around me. You're in front and in back and have put your hand on me. Your knowledge is amazing to me. It is more than I can understand. The second complaint um, God had about them is that they believed that God disregarded their cause, that God disregarded their problem, that God disregarded their situation, that God disregarded their distress, the situation they're in, that God did not come to deliver them, that God was ignoring their plight. Do we not do the same when we come into difficulties? The first thing we do is to complain. We say our problems are so huge that God cannot handle them. Our problems are so huge, he ignores them. That they're so huge that he does not consider the ones who are involved. That they're so huge that he does not consider the length of time I'm going through this problem. He is so they're so huge that he does not consider the severity of the problem or the reason for it all. David himself complained. I pour out, he said in Psalm 42, verse 2, I pour out before him my complaint, before him I tell my trouble. Jeremiah and Habakkuk called out to God about their plight and they complained to God. How well we remember Job. You remember Job? Job is one big book of complaint. Job 21 verse 4, he says, My complaint is with God, not with people. No wonder I am so impatient. Job 23 verse 2, My complaint today is still a bitter one, and I try hard not to groan aloud. Job 33 verse 13, So why are you bringing a charge against him? You say, he does not respond to people's complaints. God does not like complaints, although he tolerates them. And he does listen. It is grumble. And when we murmur, that is what God detests. You see, grumbling is grumbling about God, talking about God. Rather than complain, complain is talking to God in prayer. God don't mind that you complain. God can handle you. You can't complain to God. He will tolerate it. There isn't anything you can say that will cause God to fall off his throne. Hello. There isn't anything you can do and complain. But what God hates is grumbling. Going to people and yap, yap, yapping about God. And I've had experiences like that. Where people have come to me and complained, oh, God doesn't care about me. God cares about you better because you're a pastor. What? People think pastors don't have problems. Not because I'm not talking to you about my problems, mean I don't have problems. And they come and they grumble, they grumble to their friends. And next thing you know, you don't see them in church anymore. And next thing you know, their friends are not in church anymore because they grumble so much that they discourage the people around them. Get rid of the grumblers in your life. God wants us to know him well enough 
to trust him. You remember in Numbers chapter 14, verses 2 to 11, you students of the Bible, when God told the spies to go into the promised land, God told them, I will give you the promised land. It was done for. They went in. They saw the giants in the land. They came back and they said, oh, they were so huge. We were small like grasshoppers. They went. They never went to Moses. They never went to Aaron. They didn't go to Caleb. They didn't go to Joshua. But they went to the tents of everybody that were there, all in the whole Israel camp. And they complained to everyone. By the time they were, not they complained, they grumbled about God, that God is sending us into that land. And we are, and those people are so huge. We are like grasshoppers. They will stomp on us. They will kill us. So guess what? Everybody went to the door of their tent and started bawling all night. Crying all night. Why? Twelve people went in, ten came back, and ten of them went through a camp of almost a million people and discouraged them. God wants us to know him well enough to trust him, to know that he knows and that he is at work behind the scenes. Remember Isaiah was prophesying about what was to come and how the people of Israel would behave and he was asking them to trust So God is saying to them and to us that he knows our situation very well. That when trouble comes, instead of trusting him and having confidence in in him, the Israelites complain and we tend to complain, especially when it lasts too long. Have you matured enough in Christ? That if you want to go into a lion's den situation, you can trust God to know that he can work it out. Have you matured enough in Christ that even if you're in a fiery furnace, you know that God will keep you from being burnt? Have you matured enough in Christ that even though you are facing a Jericho wall, you feel like the wall is in front of you. You feel like the wall is behind you. You feel like the wall is beside you. You feel like the wall is crushing down on you. you if you facing that situation, are you mature enough to stand in it and know that God can remove that wall? You see, God was preparing the people of Israel for what was to come and how to handle it. Trust him, saints. And do not complain that he is not hearing. That he, doesn't un- that he does not understand or he is disregarding your complaint. Trust him. You have to know that God knows. That God has his foot in it. And he has already, that he has already heard our complaint. And even before it is a thought in our heads. He knows our situation even before it happens. And we also need to remember that no matter what we are going through, though we are going through hell or high water, though you feel like you're drowning, though you feel like you're in a fiery furnace, though you feel like the lions are chasing you down, though you feel overwhelmed, you must remember in all of it that God is still God. Listen. That's what God says. He says, do you not know in verse 8? Have you not heard 
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no man can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. We have come now to a second point. He is still God. Verses 28 to 29. God turned his complaint upon them. They were complaining about God. Now God turned it. It is as if God was saying that the people are complaining about him, but they have forgotten who he was or is. He challenges them in two ways. And listen to what he says. Do you not know? Meaning, don't you know me after all this time? Now remember, they had already received the five laws, the book of the laws, the Pentateuch which talks about God and how God created. So he's saying, do you not know yet who I am? Some of you have come to church. You came to church from the time you were in your mom's belly. You grew up in the church. You're ministering in the church, and when the trouble comes, we crumble, and what the Lord is saying to you, after all this time, do you not know me? Do you not know your God? Some of you young people, you have gone through Sunday school. You just came back from youth retreat. You have heard about God. You have experienced God, but when trouble comes, God is saying, do you not know? The second question he asked them was this. Have you not heard? And that was an indictment on the priests because he's saying, have you not heard about me? Have they not taught you about who I am? First, he begins to remind them of who he is. He said, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God? That brings to mind that he knows everything from the beginning to the end because God has always been, meaning there isn't anything in your life that he doesn't know because he knows everything. Secondly, he says, everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. That brings back to my Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So listen to this. If God is everlasting... And if God created everything, there isn't a thing that God does not know. We think in a linear fashion from beginning to end. Next year, to the year after, to the year after. We think from morning to afternoon, to evening, to night. God does not think in a linear fashion. God knows everything all at once. So because he's everlasting and because he's creator, God knows every part of your life from beginning to end. And that is what he was trying to to explain to them. So how can you say that I disregard your cause? How can you say that my complaint, your complaint is hidden from me? Then he went on to say, he will not grow weary, he will not grow tired, 
or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. What he's saying here is that he's omnipotent. His power is boundless. He does not grow tired and he does not grow weary. He has enough that he can give it away. He uses the illustration of youth. For we know that youths are known for their boundless energy. They're never tired or weary and have to sleep like us older folks have to. I remember when I was younger, you know, teenage years, many moons ago, I, we, after youth fellowship, we would jump in a car, go into Manhattan. Our favorite restaurant was Mai Tai restaurant or um, Tony Roma's. And we would go 1 o'clock in the morning, hanging out as young people, just talking about the things of the Lord, and would eat a whole half of a rack of ribs. 1 o'clock in the morning. Then we would get up and go to church full of vim and vigor. Amen? That's the energy you have. You know, I eat one slice of bread at night and I'm knocked out. Can't even get off of bed in the morning. Amen? True or not true? So when you are young, you have vim and vigor and strength. But when you grow older, Lord Jesus, he said, give me some of that back. But God does not ever, ever get tired. He does not even get weary because he is the everlasting God. He is a God who never slumbers. He is a God who never sleeps. He can never get tired. It gives the idea of one who is all-powerful, one who is almighty. As I said, he's omnipotent. Psalm 62 verse 11 says, One thing God has spoken. Two things I have heard. Power belongs to the Lord. Because he is powerful and mighty and boundless in strength and energy. God would always give that to us in our times of challenges, troubles, and difficulties. First of all, it says he will give strength to the weary. The Hebrew word is ya'ap. It means exhausted by toil or violent behavior. It means exertion, tired, fatigued, exhaustion due to the hardness of life. So when God says he will give strength to you who are weary, it does not depend upon you, my brothers and sisters. It depends upon him. How do you think Joseph lasted through the horrors of his brothers attempting to murder him? How do you think Joseph lasted through being sold into slavery by his own brothers? How do you think Joseph lasted through um, the horror of being um, sold into slavery, a woman's seductive advances, and then being landed in, pr in prison in a dungeon? How do you think David lasted through almost 10 to 12 years of Saul's harassment? How do you think Daniel lasted through the plot and plans of his enemies? They only lasted because God gave them the strength to do it. That's how you last, brothers and sisters. You can't do it in your strength. You can't do it in your own power because when you try to get what, you get tired after a while. Then he says he increases the power of the weak. The word there is the Hebrew word, word kalash. 
It means failure, and this is powerful, failure through loss of inherent strength. When you are weary, you could still get up and move around. When you're weary, you can still go to work. You can still go to school. You can still go to church. You can still do the household chores. You can still do the yard work. But when you are weak, you are helpless, worn out. You cannot move. Someone has to help you, and it's not talking only about physical weakness. It's talking about mental weakness. You can be weary and tired, and you still get up, roll out of bed, and you go to work. But when you're weary, you don't even have the strength and the power to get up out of bed. When you are, when you, I'm sorry, when you are weak, you don't have that power. You are beyond help sometimes. This is where depression comes in. You are helpless, worn out, cannot move. Why do you think ambulances have gurneys? Because when they show up, 99% of the people are too weary and too tired and too weak to walk. God is saying if you are weak, he will come in and increase your power. What you lack, he will give. But there is something we must know and then do. But before we go on, I just want to remind us quickly. To soar in the midst of your challenges, you have to know first that God has his foot in it, that he has already heard your complaint, even before a thought is in your head or word is on your tongue. He knows your situation before it even happens. And secondly, we need to remember that he is God, he is everlasting, he is a creator, and he is powerful, and he will give you what you need. The third and final point is this. You have to know that God would enable you to soar and stand strong through your challenges. There was a young lady I met a few days ago. Whatever happened to her in the church, she packed up and left the church for 12 years. Got turned off. Didn't want to have anything to do with the people of God. And so when she met her challenges, there was nothing to really stand on because when she left the church, guess what? Listen, folks, this is not in the message, but i got to say this. If you've got problems with people in the church, don't have problems with God. Nobody in here is perfect. Nobody in here died on the cross for you. So if you got problems and people have hurt you, and Lord Jesus, I could tell you about hurt as a woman pastor. I could tell you about hurt that will bring tears to your eyes. At one point, I was so hurt that I told the Lord, I'll never darken the door of a church again. But God had to remind me, guess what? It's not about you. It's not about you. So whatever experiences you have had, and you may leave the church, remember it's the person, but it's not God. 
So she left the church, got upset and angry with God. I don't know why. Went back into the wild life. But you know, when you have taken Christ as your Savior, you could run to the east, you could run to the west, you could run to the north, you could run to the south. God will hound you down. And you would have no peace till you come back to him. And you bow your knees before him. And that is what God did to her. So you have to realize when you come into your challenges and you come into your difficulties, it is God who will come in all his might and his power. He will give you what you need and he will enable you to soar through your challenges. How can we do this? He said we have to hope in him and trust in him. Listen to what it says. But those who hope is in the Lord, verse 31, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. But those who hope in the Lord, hope should really be translated wait, as it is in the King James. It's the Hebrew word kava, and it means to wait with expectancy. The commentators were arguing if this waiting or this hoping is Active waiting or passive waiting? In other words, do we wait by just sitting and praying and twiddling our thumbs? Or do we wait by doing something? The best example to give you is pregnancy. When a woman is pregnant, she's expecting something to happen. She's waiting for the birth of that child. Does she go to bed and just lay there and say, okay, God, do what you do so well? No. She has to eat, exercise, visit the doctor. So even though she's waiting, she is doing something. The following verses tell us it is not a passive waiting, but where there is some action. When we know that God is God and that he's everlasting, that he is creator of it all, and he's all-powerful, he's omniscient, he's mighty. This is where we put our trust and wait, and we do so actively. When we do that, according to Isaiah says, when you wait with the Lord, trusting in him and looking to him, our strength will be renewed through our challenges. When we wait upon the Lord, excuse me, My papers stuck together. When we wait upon the Lord, trusting him and looking to him, we will soar on wings like eagles through our challenges. When we trust in the Lord, we will run and not grow weary through our challenges. When we trust in the Lord, we will walk and not faint through our challenges. That's why you can see some Christians, they may have hell breaking around them, but they're still strong, they're still focused, they're still doing the work of the Lord. Why? Because they're not depending upon themselves. They're depending upon God and the strength of the Lord within them. But it can only happen, folks, when you turn your eyes off your problems and stop complaining that God doesn't hear, that he doesn't understand, or he doesn't care. This is how you do it. You stay in the word. You stay in prayer. You continue to do the work of the Lord. You reach out and help others because your strength is not in you, but your strength is in the Lord. Can I tell you about Billy Graham? 
Billy Graham, at the height of his ministry, his son went hog wild. He got one of them motorcycles. He went into drugs and running all over the place with his friends and bringing tarnish to his father's ministry. So Billy Graham went to the board of his ministry and said, listen, I am going to step down. You guys can continue the ministry because my son has gone out into the world. And what example am I as a father when here I am traveling the world to bring people to Jesus Christ and my son is out there? The board said, you hold on. Let us go and discuss it. The board went and they discussed it and they came back and said, absolutely not. We will not allow you to resign. We will not allow this thing that Satan is doing in your son to undermine the work that God is doing. They said, we will gather together. We will pray for your son. But we give you the right hand of fellowship to go forth and do the work of the Lord. You didn't do anything wrong. He is the one grown man, have sense, and he, and he made that choice. Do you know that was at the height of Billy Graham's ministry? If Billy Graham had stopped, these millions and people and countries that he has gone to would not have happened. But years later, his son came back to the Lord, and guess who's leading the ministry right now? You get the point I'm trying to make? So when you're going through your trouble, when you're going through your testing and trial, don't stop doing the work of the Lord. If there is something you need to come and discuss with the pastors and leaders, come and discuss it, but don't you dare leave the work. Don't you dare leave the faith. Don't you dare leave. You get back into that word. If you need to repent of something, repent of it. But you stay in the word. You stay in prayer. You stay coming to church. You stay fellowshipping. You stay with the believers. But don't you dare leave because your strength does not come from you. It comes from God. How can you do this? Philippians remind us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, So do not fear, the Lord says, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 73 verse 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. 2 Corinthians 12 10, That is why for Christ's sake... I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Habakkuk 3.19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Ephesians 6 and 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21, now to him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. And I want to close with this one. When you pass through the waters, the Lord said, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, he says, they will not 
over sweep you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burnt. The flames will not set you ablaze. My brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter what you're going through, you remember that you don't have to depend on your own strength. You get into prayer and you call out to the Lord. God, give me the strength that I need. You said you will give strength to the weary. You would increase the power of the weak. That we will be able to run and soar in the midst of our problems. I don't care what you're going through. But I do care if you don't know how to go and call out to the Lord. To help you in your time of trouble. God provided everything that we need. You remember Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And the enemy thought that when Jesus died on that cross, that somehow he had won the victory. The same thing when he brings trouble into your life. He tends to think, oh, I've won some victory. No, he didn't win anything because he doesn't know how the story ends. Because he doesn't understand that you can go to God, call out to God for might and power. Yes, Satan celebrated when he saw Jesus crucified on that cross Friday night. And he saw Jesus entombed in that tomb. Friday night. But guess what? Satan, I'm sure he was partying all night Friday night thinking, oh, we have won. We have won. Jesus is dead. So he partied all night Friday night. All day Saturday. All day Sunday that Jesus in the grave. But guess what? Come Sunday morning, he heard a rumbling and a tumbling and a shaking of what happened. Up from the grave, oh Jesus Christ arose. That is the power that God has made available to us. You're not beaten yet. You're not down yet. Because the end of the story hasn't been told. And guess what? Unless you don't know, we win. Bow your heads. I want to ask just quickly. You know, I always ask. And I always remind people, coming to church does not save you. Coming to church does not qualify you for heaven. You have to take what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And when he rose from the grave, he defeated Satan, sin, flesh, and the grave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The only way into heaven is not through your mother, your father, uh, going to church, serving in the church, is the fact that have you taken Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you have not yet taken Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you just quickly lift your hand and say, I would like to take Christ as my Savior today. I want the world to know. Now my other request is, are you facing some challenges this morning? And you just need to say, Father, I need you to empower me and enable me to stand strong in the midst of my challenges. I want to be able like that eagle, even when I'm on the ground, I can still be moving with power flapping my wings. If that's you, just raise your hand quickly. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those who have raised their hands there, Lord God. 
Father, you know we are going through a lot as believers. And I pray, dear Lord God, that you would strengthen them, that you would remind them that they're not alone, that you would remind them that they don't have to turn to the bottle, they don't have to turn to sex, they don't have to turn to drugs, they don't have to turn to pornography, they don't have to turn to these things and anesthetize them, to anesthetize them from their problems. But they can get in the word, oh God. They can put on their worship music, oh God. They can get into prayer and call out to you and pour it out at your feet. Yes, you hear. It may not be answered today or tomorrow, but the fact is you're telling us that you hear our pain, you hear our complaints, you hear our frustration, you hear our stresses, you hear our discouragement, you hear our despair, you hear when we're ready to give up, we hear when we're even thinking about suicide, you hear all of it, and you're there for us. So I pray, dear Lord God, right now, oh God, that you would give them the power that you need. You said you give strength to the weak and you empower those who are weary. So I'm asking this morning, oh God, give those who are weak, oh God, give them, Lord Jesus, who are weary, dear Lord God, give them the strength that they need, oh God. Father, I pray, Father, that they'll be able to get up and face each day, not in themselves, but under the power of God. Father, I pray for those who are weak, those who are ready to give up, oh God. Those who are so discouraged, they may look good on the outside, Lord Jesus, but in the outside, they're broken. I pray that you would increase their power, not from themselves, but from you, and that you would enable them. Father, I pray, God, there are some here who just simply need your peace. I pray that you would give them peace that passes all understanding, that will keep their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Father, if some are contemplating quitting ministry because of what may be going on in their family, Father, no. Let them be like Billy Graham and stand strong doing the work of the Lord. We pray, O oh God, that you would have your will and your way this morning. We thank you that you are God. We thank you that you hear our, play, our complaints. We thank you that you are strong. We thank you that you are the God who never slumbers nor sleep, and that you, O oh God, hear us. Can we say amen this morning? Can we say hallelujah this morning? Can we say praise the Lord this morning? Can we say thank you, Jesus, this morning? God bless you.